Hey there, beings. You are listening to the Self-Tivity Podcast. I am your self-investing storyteller, Danny Jensen. I'm a writer, a creative entrepreneur, but most importantly, a mindfulness advocate. For those who are new to this podcast, my goal is to merge mindfulness and self-love into our self-investing journey, as well as our entrepreneurial endeavors. Today, I have a special guest with me. Allow me to introduce. Are you ready? Hey, hey, Dan's, welcome back. And if you are new, I appreciate you being here today, especially because we are investing some time with another mindful and creative entrepreneur, Mr. Brian Taylor. My goal is to connect myself and other self to be podcast listeners with as many creative and mindful entrepreneurs so that we can share with you, with one another, the process of entrepreneurship and how we also maintain that peace of mind during the journey and to share some of their beingness with us. Today, Brian Taylor is joining the discussion, but wait, who is Brian Taylor? I'm going to give him an opportunity to tell us about himself, but I do want to share what I appreciated and learned about Mr. Taylor just a little. So from what I gathered, Brian is a storyteller using mediums like photography and writing to share his perspective. He is the co-founder and director at Empty Cup Audio. Empty Cup is an app that presents a powerful new way to meditate using guided meditation with the imaginative energy of fiction to create and experience. Each of these experiences are backed with a full theatrical soundtrack, which I think is pretty phenomenal. I actually want to share with you two of the reviews on the app so we can get an idea of how others are experiencing the Empty Cup app. So this first review says, wow, this app has literally reignited and refocused the visions and dreams of myself and my future. I always thought meditation was useful, but I didn't realize how transformative and powerful it could be until this app. Another reviewer says, ahead of his time, it seems like I've tried all the meditation apps on this app store, but this one is the best, underrated. So Brian, it appears that you're making a mark in the app store. (laughs) Would you introduce yourself and tell us who you are in your words? Yeah, sure. So my name is Brian Taylor, uh, as as previously mentioned. Uh, I am what is called a polymath, which basically means I'm a collector of skills and knowledges. Uh, people like to say, you know, um, fluent in many, master of none, and that's not true. I'm a master of learning. So through various adventures and various skill sets that I've tried to learn throughout the years, I have wound up creating some pretty phenomenal products that people can actually consume. Uh, Empty Cup Audio is the company, but Empty Cup Meditation is the app. And that's just one of the many, many things that I've created. But uh, I'm located here in Denver, Colorado. I'm an entrepreneur and I do so many things. It's ridiculous. I don't know if we have enough time to get into all of them today. You know what? When I was looking through everything, I said, I don't know which one to choose. He does so many amazing things. It's like a creative, like a true creative. Like you really tap into that creative world. It's the, uh, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's the, uh, so the term polymath is actually the new term for Renaissance man. So people used to say, you know, oh, it's a Renaissance man. It's a Renaissance woman. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, is, is there's an actual scientific term and that's polymath. So yeah, it's just somebody who collects a lot of skills. I take the knowledge that I learned from one thing and carry it into the next thing and so on and so forth. Okay. So I haven't heard of that term actually. So when I hear it, initially I think of jack of all trades, especially with myself because I do so many things and 
I've been learning how to master them. So with being, what do you say it is again? Poly? It's polymath, like polymer or uh, polyamorous or what, any other word that starts with poly, right? Yeah. And then math like mathematician. So polymath. And the thing is, is you don't have to be born a polymath. You turn yourself into a polymath. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like you're saying right now, you're a jack of all trades, but that doesn't mean you're not a master of none, right? You're trying to master those things. Uh, but I got a sneaky feeling that you can pretty much take on any task you want. And as you work through that task, you become really good at it really fast. Uh, and if, if that's the case, then you're either borderline polymath or already there. It's something okay. you learn to do. Okay, so walk us through the learning process, especially if someone had the mindset of being a jack of all trades and they are transitioning to being a polymath. Like, how can they effectively master all of their endeavors? Sure. So it's interesting. You kind of have to approach it just a hair different than you would normally. So okay. when you're trying to become a polymath and, and understand that you are a polymath and understanding how that works and how that functions, the steps you need to take is stop fighting failure. You have to go into things and you have to understand you're going to fail fast, you're going to fail hard, but you're going to pick up more information than the guy next to you or the girl next to you that's going to take six months longer to learn the process than you are. You also need to understand that you're going to bring in information from other things that you've learned or um, processes. So for example, um, I did martial arts for probably about nine and a half years and I was really, really heavy into it. And when I left martial arts, I wound up stumbling my way into break dancing. But because of the body mechanics, that I learned in martial art, I was able to understand the physics of breakdancing. So it's about taking the things that you've learned in the past and dragging that knowledge with you, making sure that you're not going into it blind. Every time you go into a new skill, you're bringing the skills previously with you. So if you approach becoming a polymath in that fashion and say, okay, everything I learn will help me learn something new, right? And you embrace it and you understand that it's not that skill. It has nothing to do with the skill. It has everything to do with how you learn that process. So my advice, fail fast, fail hard, fail often, because that's how we learn. Don't be afraid to jump into the deep end. And I mean, jump into the deep end. And it'll either tell you whether you're ready for it or not really fast. That's the best advice I can give you because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of different for every human. We all learn a little differently. Yeah, certainly. So in your experience, and I'm just saying with this polymath, it's fascinating to me. Do you find that you jump into a lot of different things. And then once you jump into these things, you end up learning that you don't want to continue with one or the other. And how do you determine that it's time to stop one of them? Are you following me? No, yeah, I'm absolutely following you. So there have absolutely been things that I've, rabbit holes I've dove into and they've not been things I want to do. And so the equation on how that works out for me, it'll be a little different for everybody, but essentially yeah. here's how it works out. I jump into it. Am I able to yield results fast. If the answer is yes, I'll probably stick with it. The second question that I ask myself as I'm going through that process is, is this going to be beneficial skill to have in my back pocket, right? So am I actually going to be able to learn to do this or am I just doing this because I think it might be cool, right? Then finally, if the answers to those are no, so I'm not able to advance swiftly, this is not something that is going to be useful to me. It's just something I'm doing because I think it's cool. Uh, that's probably where I abandon it. But yeah. let's be clear. 
different people will have different approaches to that. And also as I've gotten older, I've stopped being so um, expedient with my decision about whether it's going to work for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, when I was 20s, early 30s, it was about yield results, yield results now. Is it working for me? Yes, let's keep doing it. If it work, is it not working for me? Let's get rid of it. But as I've gotten older, I started to learn some skills that I've chosen to take on as a polymath are marathons and not sprints. Uh, for example, storytelling. Storytelling is a marathon. Uh, I'm good at it now. I was okay at it when I started, but it's one of those things that you could spend a lifetime learning and still not learn at all. You know, yeah. So that is a marathon. Uh, good financial investments, stacking paper. That's something that takes a long time. A lot of people are out there trying to get fast cash from this internet thing or that internet thing. But you have to realize that if you're going to do this and you're going to do this thing for real and really build your wealth for a lifetime, it takes a lifetime. So yeah, that's how I decide what I'm going to do and what I don't. Yeah. So, wow. You had a lot of nuggets that were just dropped there. When you were discussing you know, getting into something that's, you know, long-term. I think that's where a lot of, and I could be wrong, I'm not going to speak for the whole world, but maybe people I've interacted with, we kind of abort mission when we're not getting those uh, microwavable results. And I always like to focus on passion a little bit, but when we think about that, is it going to be a beneficial skill? We also have to bring in, is it going to be beneficial to other people? Or is it going to be beneficial to just ourselves alone? Are there any projects or passions or endeavors that you have, I don't know the word, (laughs) that may not be beneficial to the people around you or or you can't sell it to anyone, but you continue with it because it's beneficial to yourself? There's several of them. Um, It's difficult for me to tear the two apart, realistically. I do have these things. So for example, um, I have recently become very, very engrossed in getting healthy, right? And that is the personal passion. Uh, it is something that I'm personally all about. I can't make money from it. I can't sell it. I'm not going to get on online and try to hawk some fitness program. That's not my steez, right? That's not what I do. But I am very conscious about getting healthy and it is very much a passion of mine at this moment in time. But and there's a huge backstory to that. And we can jump into that if you want, but let's kind yeah, of stay yeah, on topic yeah, here. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so uh, I've always had issues with getting dizzy. I've always had issues with um, uh, suddenly getting lightheaded. You know, you go up a flight of stairs, you get lightheaded, you get a little woozy. But finally, I started talking to my neurologist and she was like, hey, that doesn't sound like a neurology problem. You need to go see a cardiologist. I went and saw a cardiologist and found out I had all kinds of problems. And we didn't discover this until I was 38 years old, right? So I'm 45 now. Uh, okay. And so the process went like this. They said, well, you've got this stuff called SVT. You've got this stuff called a flutter. Uh, you've also got VT. Your whole heart screwed up. And you've got this really crazy extra leaf in your aortic valve. And I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> Say that again. (laughs) So one thing led to another. And over the past five years now, I've had four heart procedures. And as I showed you my daughter earlier, you know, I brought her on camera, um, but my family needs me to be around. Right. So that is very much a selfish thing for me 
to be healthy, right? I They need me around, but I want to stay here and be with yeah. them. So I'm getting really fit. I'm getting really healthy. Um, but then at the same time, there's no real thing that is selfish, right? There's no real thing that does not include other people because when I started doing it, guess what? My wife jumped on board. My daughter, she's she likes to be healthy, right? We've encouraged some of our other friends to work out, right? Not because we're saying, hey, you should work out because we think you need to be in better shape, but more along the lines of like, oh yeah, dude, we're going up into the mountains. We're going hunting. I'm getting prepped up for hunting season because I, I archery hunt. Um, and so, you know, I'm going up there and, and I got to get on my cardio. Hey, Jason, why don't you get on your cardio too? So we can, you know, hunt together. And then that happens kind of uh, through osmosis or um, what's the word when you're, when you've got something by being close to it, I, I guess maybe it is osmosis. Oh, I don't, yeah. 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 There you go. Like yeah. by proxy, yeah. by proxy. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, so some of those things like that are the type of things that people will pick up by just being around you, whether you're selfish about it or not. Uh, my greater projects, my things that are taking more time, uh, the things that are really consuming my passions right now, I cannot separate them from me and other people because the point of it being, I love to storytell. It is a passion of mine. It is something I do for me. But guess what? I got to have people to tell stories to. Oh, exactly. Otherwise, it's pointless, right? I can tell them stories myself, but then people think I'm crazy. And <laughs> I mean, that works too. <laughs> we got a whole other problem there. And yeah. Well, it all depends. It all depends. If, if it makes you feel good. I'm not opposed to talking to yourself. Like, like, (laughs) dude, they say that some of the smartest people on the planet actually talk to yourself. And I I do it a lot. Like my, my daughter will catch me like reasoning things out with myself. I'm like, okay, so I got to do this. But then if I do that, then I got to make sure I've got this other thing in point and online. And she's like, what are you talking about, dad? Yeah. (laughs) I think to sit with that for a little bit, I think that self-talk, it has this negative connotation, but we aren't talking to ourselves enough, you know, and we're kind of having these these moments where thoughts are coming in passively, negative thoughts or thoughts that don't benefit us. And we're not having that stopping moment where we say, I probably shouldn't be saying this to myself. I probably should combat this thought that came into my head with another thought. That well, that's it's it's hard. Negative. It's hard to do that. So I have a real bad issue with negative self talk. So I come from a very oh, violent childhood, uh, emotionally abusive, physically abusive, mentally abusive, verbally abusive, and so that was that instilled like a lifetime of negative self-talk in me. Uh, And I still, to this day, I catch myself doing that. And so I started to put like things in place in my life uh, that will automatically catch me or automatically stop me or automatically prevent me from thinking like that and talking to myself like that. But when that starts to happen, as someone that experiences it, like in a real heavy way, you don't know it's coming over you, right? It's like one of those things that slips up on you. It's like carbon monoxide poisoning. You don't know you're being poisoned by carbon monoxide until you're unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. And so you don't know you're having that negative self-talk. You don't know that you're slipping into depression. You don't know that you're having mental issues that need to be dealt with until someone else Mm -hmm. comes in and says, hey, you need to fix that. Or you have a trigger or a warning sign pre-installed, right? You can't do this when you're sad. You can't do this when you're talking negatively to yourself. You have to do it in a good moment, but you have to install those systems. You have to say there are these triggers, these walls, these barriers that if I click that barrier, if I set that trap off automatically, my brain goes, oh, dude, you're doing it again. Yeah, You got to stop that right now. And so it's one of those things to, everybody has it. You don't know what's coming. Well, not everybody has it. Let me take that back. For those of us that do have it. Yeah, you level might not be stronger 
Exactly. Exactly. You just don't see it coming though. You know, it smacks you upside the back of the head when you're not even looking. So you said that you put systems in place. What type of system can you give us a little bit more details of what systems have helped you with the negative self-talk? Or how yeah, did you even notice that it was something that you had to work on that someone introduced it to you? Or was it, what was your particular moment? So the universe has been screaming at me for 45 years now. Um, so I didn't really realize that I had them until very late 20s going into 30s. Uh, and I really, like they started to cause some serious waves. Like they caused issues in my early 20s. But when I was in my early 30s was when it really started to hit. Um, my now wife, she was starting to see signs. We were we were together and we were doing really good. But she was like, hey, look, you're you're angry all the time. You know, you gotta, you gotta do something about that or we're not gonna make it. Right. Like, and I had already lost multiple relationships prior to this because of that same thing, but no one ever actually called me out on it. So she called me out on it, started addressing it. I guess I fixed it well enough to stick with her. We're still there uh, 15 years later now. So anyway, she's a good booby trap for me, right? As far as identifying that negative self-talk, that negative angry self, right? Uh, So you can just feel the vibe in the house change right? Even if you're the guy that's causing the vibe to change, you can feel the vibe in the house change, right? Because you know, I know what my wife is supposed to be like. I know what my daughter is supposed to be like. So when they change their mood, that's one of the triggers for me. That's one of the uh, the traps that is put in place. Another one of the traps that I put in place actually came to me from a therapist. I don't really see one anymore. Uh, that's a whole other story. But she said, when you catch yourself doing it, the easiest way to stop it is just to say, look, I don't have time for this. I just, I got two much stuff to do. I don't have time to sit here and listen to you. And you're talking to yourself, right? But the good you is basically standing in front of the bad you going, sorry, dude, I just don't got time for it. I got stuff to do. And it's crazy how quickly that will shift your mind. Um, It's a pattern interrupt. So Mm -hmm. those are just some of the things that I have in place. I've got a bunch of little nuanced stuff that, yeah, yeah. I noticed that when I scroll on my phone too much, I'm finding that's when I'm in that negative self place, when I'm doing the endless scroll, the thumb swipe, uh, and I'm not producing. Uh, That's that's generally when I'm also having those kind of negative self-talks, that negative worldly view. That's a good point. I I also find myself, I guess it's like it's an addiction. It's almost a drug, a digital drug that they've created and it distracts you from, you know, I really do feel like it has, you have to go into social media with strategy. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to be intentional about your experience there. And I don't feel like you have to completely remove yourself because it's part of our world now. But it's being aware that if I'm here, you know, I need to be mindful of what I'm consuming. And I also need to have a moment when I say, okay, let me go and do something do something that actually benefits me, profits me in some type of way that investment back into myself. Because when I find myself on social media and I'm going strolling, it's just like everybody's doing something great, everybody's doing something wonderful. And it's like, okay, and I'm sitting here watching you do it. I should be doing something for me instead of comparing myself. And that also puts you in that state where you're like, you know, what was me as creative entrepreneur, an entrepreneur or any person at all on social media because everyone's lives are being thrown at you. But on the other side, I try to remind myself that it's okay that people are having good and healthy lives. It's okay to watch them have good and healthy lives. Just because they're sharing it on social media doesn't make them the bad guy. You know, I think sometimes when people talk about social media, they always go like, yeah, everybody's on there trying to do it. Like, it's 
I want to see you be happy, you know, train your mindset to be to say it's okay to see people happy and it's okay for me to be happy for them and it's okay for me to also have happiness. You brought up a point about therapy that you stopped and you wanted to go into that story, but I, I wanted to see if it had anything to do with your growth. Some people have different philosophies on therapy. Some people feel like you can have therapy for a certain amount of time and the, the point of therapy is so that you you don't need it anymore. Almost like, I don't know if you ever heard of the Hinge app, their uh, tagline is like the app that you at least you eventually delete. Um, and I would probably apply that to like therapy is that eventually you might have to do some maintenance. But I guess the goal would be to get to a level where you don't actually need therapy because to me, therapy is someone who's listening to you without judgment, Right. And we kind of have to walk through this process with someone, you know, we don't feel comfortable speaking to other people. We don't want to put our burdens on other people. So that's someone, you know, we pay to listen to our burdens. Um, and the other side to it would be that it's just something that you do, like brushing your teeth. You, you don't want to get rid of it because it's a healthy part of your life. So what is your um, experience with therapy? Why did you stop? So I've always been very, very self-reliant. Uh, mm-hmm. So my philosophy on therapy, because of that self-reliance, has always been, I can fix this myself. And I gave therapy a shot because my wife said, you haven't tried this avenue. Go try this avenue and see what happens. I think that therapy is a fantastic thing. It is it is powerful. It is based in science. It is based in psychology. It is based in how our brain works. So if you are someone that is doing therapy and you enjoy it and it's working for you, keep at it. I'm not, I'm not ever going to tell anybody to stop. I personally left therapy because of that self-reliance. So I went in, I listened, I paid attention, and I did the polymath thing. I learned every single thing she had to teach me. And yeah. then as soon as I was done with her, instead of extending this, those sessions, I went back, I learned, and then I had that exit interview with her, right? Where she was like, you know, checking if I was really ready to do this and if I was really ready to, to tick this box is done. And I was like, yeah, I am. I know what I need to do to fix me. I know that it's, you know, there's no magic cure. You can't yeah. just solve the problem today and it's gone forever. Uh, but I do know what I need to do to, to self-maintain. And I've got a great support structure in place to help me. I've got my wife. I've got my daughter. I've got my businesses. I've got those people around me that are positive. I also <laughs> use the lessons that I learned from therapy to remove the negative people from my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they say you're the, the sum of the five people around you, the five closest people you have to you. And if those five people are shitty negative people, I'm sorry if my language, let me back oh, that no, up. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. Okay. So fine. if they're negative people, then you need to get rid of them. Les Brown said something along the same lines. Uh, he says that he learned that your income is a mirror or the sum of the five people closest to you. He said, as soon as he found that out, he got rid of all of his broke friends. And and it's the same with your negative friends, right? If you're dealing with all this negative self-talk and you can't get your brain in the right spot, maybe you need to change who you're hanging out with because if they're not stopping you from talking to yourself like that, if they're not looking at you going, hey, dude, um, you got something going on there. That thing on your lips got some thing on its lip. You know, if, if they're not putting you in check, then they're probably not the people you need to be hanging out with. And that especially makes sense the older you get in life. I wouldn't have understood that in my 20s. I would have began to have grasped that in my 30s. But I really, really didn't take that to heart until my 40s, where now I'm like, 
dude, every person in my circle is very powerful and very influential to me. So I make sure that I keep the right kind of people in my circle, both for my head and for my money. Yeah. Okay. So going with that Les Brown quote and the the money concept of it, it, the sum of your income. So do you believe that people who have little income are not beneficial? No, 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 no. So my daughter doesn't make any money. Yeah. Well, um, I guess. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but I guess with the kind of like entrepreneurship, sure. Like, that, like, could you sure. have people in your life? Because, and the reason why I pose this question is because you always hear like, you know, be around the people that you want to be. Like, be the don't be the smartest person in the room. And I always like, well, wonder like, what about those people who aren't there yet? And how do you even bridge it? Because to be honest, I align with that. I align to like find those friends where it meets the income that you want. But I also have in the back of my mind, like, so if I would at this point, my mindset is wealthy, but I, you know, what if the, the, the pockets, the bank account doesn't, you know, equate to the wealth that I believe is in my mindset. And it's that I'm on the journey. So like, if you had other people on the journey with your mindset, that's wealthy, I believe it could be a good pair. But then in the back of my head, well, if we're both not getting anywhere, is it a blind leading the blind? You know? It might be, it might be a case of blind leading the blind. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually faced this question in another situation, another podcast, actually, I had this conversation. Uh, and it basically, it breaks down like this. So what happens if you don't know a bunch of rich people or yeah. you're the one that's balling and all of your friends are struggling <laughs> or you're somewhere in the middle, you got a couple of friends that are balling, but not enough to make a complete circle. So how do you yeah. handle that? Yeah. So let's start at the bottom. Let's just say you and all your homies, you're just all broke, right? And that's okay. I've been there. I, to quote Les Brown again, I used to walk by the bank and set off the alarm. I was so poor. Um, but it's about making sure that every step you're taking is going forward. And if you're taking those steps, right, if you're making those forward steps and the people that are surrounding you are trying to either prevent you from making those forward steps or are not proud of you making those forward steps, I don't care how much money they have, get rid of them, ditch them, ditch them. You you keep in touch with them. You could be Facebook friends. You can, you can hit them on Snapchat, whatever. But when it comes to your money, yeah, leave them behind. When it comes to your mindset, leave them behind. Not saying get rid of your friends, but just pay close attention to those people that are not helping you make those forward steps or are not proud of you making those forward steps. You made the statement earlier. It's about, you know, it's okay to be happy for other people, right? And if those people are not okay being happy for you, mm -mm, sorry, get rid of them. If you go up to the next tier to where you're kind of in the middle, you got some friends that are making some money, you got some homies that are not making money, the same concept applies. But here's the thing, you need to reach down and bring your homies with you. You don't have to put money in their bank account. Mm -hmm. If they're willing to listen and they're willing to learn, then give them the knowledge that you have that put you a few steps ahead of them. If they're not willing to listen, don't ram it down your throat. That's how you make an enemy, right? Because if they don't want to listen, you're not going to change their mind. But if they're willing to listen and learn from you, and they also understand that you got some friends that got some money, right? Then you become a funnel, right? You, You take that information that's above you, you consume it, you learn it and then you pass it down or you learn it and you put it into practice, then pass it down. Cause 
I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm a little hard up to take advice on money from people that ain't got no money. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But, and I mean, let's, let's be crystal clear. I'm not, I'm not rolling in a yacht. I mean, I pay my bills. I got no problems with that. You know, I we're, we're good for the first time in our life. We're good. Right. Uh, we can, we can afford a thousand dollar emergency, right? Not a lot of them, but we can afford it. (laughs) Right. Uh, but that's taken a lot of hard work and it's taken a lot of failed skills. And we listened to a lot of people that didn't know what they were talking about. And we lost on it, right? But it's not until you really listen to the people that know and you start putting that and have done and have achieved, you listen to that information, you apply it. So when you get up to the next level, when it comes money, so I'm not there yet, right? But I do surround myself with people that do have money and they all have the same mindset. I'm going to teach you. You want to know, I'm going to teach you, right? Mm -hmm. I have known a couple of people that pretended like they had money and they did a really good job of it, right? but they didn't know anything about money. They knew how to make it. They didn't know how to keep it. They didn't know how to invest it. They didn't know how to, to move forward with it. I actually, uh, I had a business partner that was kind of like that and it it went south and I actually had to divorce that business. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's all about where you're at in life, but you don't got to cut off your broke friends. You just got to make sure that they are trying to move forward. Yeah. And you know, the broke friend that you should cut off is definitely aligned with the broke mindset. Not that they actually are broke, but their mindset, they're not, like you said, because with me, that's how I am with my friends. As far as like the wealth, the knowledge and how to do things, it's like the, all of the different aspects um, and, and environments I put myself in, it's something I can teach. And it applies, not all of it applies to my passions, but people will have the question that and because I'm in these environments, I have the answer and it's like, I'm willing because I feel like that's part of friendship. I'm willing to share this. I'm open. I am available to you. If this is what you want to do, it's not even about, okay, when I become wealthy, I just give you money. You have to go point is it's teaching. That's more of the wealth is that how do, how do I get this information applied in my life and then have a return on that investment of the time that I put in and apply it in my life. Going back to the friends that do not make, I mean, that, that can make the money, like the money comes in but they're not able to manage the money. I always kind of apply that to actual being. Like if we're not able to manage our anger and we're not able to manage our emotions effectively, we're just letting things go down the drain. We are depleting. How do I want to say this? So basically not go down the drain, but basically you're robbing from yourself. You're stealing time from yourself. If you focus a lot of time on anger, for example, I was in a car one day. Well, I'm in a car every day. <laughs> but this particular day, I'm in a car. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, the usual. So there's an angry driver. And I could have took offense to that. And I could have, for the next hour or two, kind of just been in my feelings. But I would rob myself of that, which is why managing your emotions can equate to, like, managing your money. Because if you're man- you can manage that. You save money. You save time for yourself. But not to talk too much. Hours. I have a habit of talking to you. <laughs> Hey, it's good. That's what we're here for, right? We're here for a yeah. conversation. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm just, just, you know, I'm just trying to make sure I get to your app and, and get to the games, things like this. This has been a really, really great conversation. I probably could go a lot of different. I'm, I'm always welcome to to jump back on whenever you want. Yes, I, yes. I, I like people that can carry a conversation and have their head in the right spot. So you seem to be yeah. that kind of person. I am. You're right. <laughs> no, but um, empty cup. So I went on to um, the application. I really enjoyed the meditation that I experienced on there. Tell me about the process of starting this app. Um, what were what were some of the um, setbacks for you, and what was some of the joy that came out of creating that? Yeah, creating the app's been a huge 
process. I'm not going to lie. So we, so I'm a fiction author and uh, I created uh, an audio book series off of my fiction work. And uh, when I created that audio book series, I put the theatrical soundtrack to it. I put sound effects, really drew people in. And I was like, hey, there's something here. And so I had been working with meditation uh, really heavily, like trying to figure out how to make it work for me. I had to learn and then apply, right? So I dove off into it and I noticed that there was a huge issue with the entire meditation world. And it goes like this. If you don't do meditation and you don't flow in the circles of people that do the meditation, you're probably not going to start meditating, right? And the reason why is because there's this um, this connotation that is attached that is just smothered all over meditation. And I'm going to get a little stereotypical here, but then I'm going to rein it back in. So just just bear with me here. I'm, I, I'm not I'm not crushing on people here. This is the real. So if you are say you're Brian and you have anger issues and you're a fast moving, fast paced human being, you learn like that. And you need, to, but you also realize you've got to get into this. If you go into this, here's your options. You can go sit in a yoga studio on a yoga mat with a bunch of uh, rich white girls and learn. You can hang out with the crunchy hippies, eat granola out of a tree stump, maybe learn that way, right? You can go and you can spend a lifetime trying to think about nothing. And maybe you can learn that way. But for the rest of us, there's not anything there. And none of those things appealed to me, right? And here's yeah. why none of them appealed to me. A, that's not who I am. So that just, it's hard for me to find that synchronicity with that if it's not who I am. But B, this constant statement kept coming up. You need to silence your mind. You need to be quiet. And that just seemed counterintuitive to me because we are, as human beings, the very thing that defines us, that sets us apart from every other species on the planet is that imagination, that image box that we have in our mind. And we said, well, and I say we, because I got a couple other people that I work with. Um, we said, well, what if we could reach out and shake hands with that instead of trying to fight it and pummel it into submission, right? Because that's what everybody's trying to do in the meditation world. Beat it down, beat down your imagination. But if you can actually reach out there and shake its hand and work with it, you open the doors to so many people. You open the doors to an entire new world of imagination and meditation that no one is touching upon, right? So we said, well, how are we going to do this, right? And that was our very first obstacle. You know, you're talking about pitfalls and difficulties. That was the very first wall. How do you accomplish that? So I said, well, I want to try something. And I wrote a meditation. And I put some sound effects to it. And then I made sure that in that meditation, you're hitting these meditative goals, right? You're, you're accomplishing the things you're supposed to do. And we tried it out. I had my buddy, Brandon Kelly. He's that magical voice of silky smoothness in there. Um, <laughs> so I do that guy's, that guy's just a behemoth of just positive vibes. <clears throat> anyway, so, uh, so we did one and we put it out in the world. We said, everybody, try this. We said, everybody, give this a shot. So they, they gave it a shot. And the feedback 100% across the board was, I've never done anything like this. This is powerful. We had like 10 people come back to us within like the first two weeks. Like, dude, I was balling halfway through it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. What did you do to me? And I'm like, no, you did that to yourself. Right. <laughs> so, because I mean, we're not putting any, like, we're not doing like binaural beats in there. We're not putting subliminal in there. What we're doing is we're allowing you to use this very powerful tool that you have inside of you to build a world in which you can grow, in which you can function, in which you can manipulate, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful because you get lost in it, right? You're not 
spending the entire meditation trying to pummel your imagination down and get it to shut up, you're actually working with it. And then all of a sudden you find out that you can fly. You can catch lightning. You can lift boulders that are five times your size. Like, And then you start to become more powerful, right? Yeah. So the issues that we ran into after that were simply finishing up the first series of meditations and then developing the app for deployment. Uh, that Those were both huge challenges. And then as soon as we finished the first meditations, key, the first key, the first set of meditations, COVID. Oh. So the studio is here in my house. This is my studio. This is a sound studio we're sitting in. Yeah, and cool. um, yeah, it's, it's all right. We got a lot of tech here. We do a lot of fun okay. stuff. But COVID hit. And it was for real because I got old people I got to protect. My wife is Japanese. We got an entire Japanese family of elderly and they live to be like a hundred unless you smack them with COVID, right? <laughs> and also I had health issues with my heart. So I had to be super careful. So for almost a year, studio was shut down. I'm working, but I don't have any way to be mobile. So we basically had to develop an entire mobile studio just to begin again. So now things are starting to relax, but we still have to be careful in certain situations uh, because we respect other people's ideas and beliefs. We have some folks that are not vaccinators and that's fine. I'm, I got no issues with anybody that does that. I get mine. If you don't, that's on you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but so we have to be careful of how we do this interaction, but it yeah. takes face-to-face. And and while Zoom calls are great, I can't record that silky smooth voice yeah. <laughs> with that dude, Brandon. I can't do that over a Zoom call. So we had to develop a whole mobile studio and the whole nine yards. It, it, so right now we're actually back in the swing of adding a whole bunch of new content to that app. Oh, nice. So I see you on the app, you have the key meditation and the environment. Would you be able to break that down for the listeners if someone wants to download the app? So for those who are listening, the app, you can just, it's free. It's a free download. For now. For now, so get for now. free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's a that's a free download, and when you get in there, you go through a couple of uh, explainer audios, and they kind of just we walk you through how we do things, how we're a little bit different, and then you actually jump off into the meditations. So when you get in there, you've got the key meditations, and then you've got the environments that go along with them. So when you're in one of those key meditations, there's music. There's sound effects, the winds blowing, the rains falling, the lightnings crackling in the background. But we found that when people did a meditation three or four times, they got so good at it because they're using that powerful imaginative tool. They got so good at it that they didn't need Brandon's narration. So we offer the environments for you to relax in. We offer the environments for you to go in and explore. Uh, Sometimes you don't need to do the whole powerful meditation. You just want to go in and cut your brain off for a few minutes and cut the logical side of you down and let the imaginative side of you flow. And so those are in there for that. We also include uh, some debriefs, like what we intended for you to get. It doesn't mean that's what you have to get, but that's what we intended for you to get out of the meditation. And then we have a conversation amongst two of the the designers, myself and another guy named Dylan James. And Dylan Mm -hmm. helps me kind of design those meditative goals that we're putting in there. Okay, awesome. I, I really, really appreciate the one that I did the quality of the sound, it's good. I, I guess you guys are doing it right here in your studio. And yes, it, ma'am. It's, it's good. I really appreciate it. Um, so we're going to go and play a self TV game. Let's do and it. So today's self TV game is called Our Truth or Their Thought. Okay? So I'm going to explain the game to you. So I have three quotes, and they could be considered um, philosophy-type quotes. 
And I'm going to read it out to you. And then you're going to either tag that quote as our truth, which means you and the author of that quote are aligned. You believe in that thought. Or you're going to tag it as their truth, which means it, it belongs to them, but not to you. Are you following me? Got you. Okay. So once I say the first quote, you'll either say our truth, like you agree with it, or their truth, you know, you disagree with it. And then you'll explain why it's either something that you agree with or something that you don't. Got Sounds it? fun. Let's do it. Okay. So the first one is we only see what we want to see. We only hear what we want to hear. Our belief system is just like a mirror that only shows us what we believe. Mm. Is it our truth? You align with the author or is it just their truth? Something that you don't completely align with? I say it is our truth, but unfortunately I have to put an asterisk on that, a caveat. Uh, So it is definitely our truth. uh, And that does resonate amongst all human beings. We, we all have our viewpoint of the world, no matter how anyone looks at it, they have their own viewpoint of the way the world works. We see what we want to see. We believe what we want to believe, right? But it is when you realize that you have that kind of mindset that you're able to start turning that off and start turning on your ears and your logical mind and allowing it to look at a situation sans emotion, meaning without emotion for my non-graphic designers out there. Um, So you're able to look at a situation or a a belief system and say, "Mm, you know what, I think this, I believe this, but am I right? Mm -hmm. Let me go find out, right? So it is our truth, but there is a caveat. There's a turnoff point for it. You have the ability to shut that down. Okay, awesome. All right, so here's the next one. Love is a canvas furnished by nature and by imagination. (sighs) That's their truth. That's their truth. That's their truth. Okay, tell me why. Um, Love is different for each and every single one of us. It is the reasons why we have love is different. The people, the things that we love are different for each and every one of us. I love my wife. She is a beautiful woman. Uh, She is very freaking beautiful, but that's not why (laughs) I love her. I love her because she put me back together, right? Nature didn't have anything to do with that. She didn't have anything to do with that. Mother nature, the universe, universe. Yeah, sure. I'm sure I guess some way, but she salted the BS and she put me back together. And so you can fight me on this till the end of time. I am not leaving that woman. Right. Mm -hmm. But I believe that it's not about nature. It's not about a canvas that is painted. It's not any of that. It's individual. There is something that will strike a chord with you, with the person you really love, not just the person you're obsessed with, not the person you're hooked on, not the person you've got some sort of bad connection to, but the one that's really there for you. Yeah. That's going to be different for each and every single one of us. All right. I love it. I'm having fun. So this last one, maybe you'll recognize it. I'll see after you uh, answer. All right. So here's the last. Are we good to go? Yeah, we're good. Okay. So here's the last quote. You are how the universe experiences itself. Oh, come on. (laughs) That's like the biggest softball in the world. That is our truth. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That is so our truth. And and here's the thing. So that is this gigantic beefy statement, right? And I started my fiction novel off with that statement, my very first one. And we are truly how the universe experiences itself, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's why we all have different talents. We all look differently. We all have different walks in life. You can have 7 billion people on the planet and not a damn one of them is experiencing the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. But here's something funny. You're given talent, 
you're given purpose, whether you see it or not, you're given purpose, right? And if you follow that purpose, if you follow that talent, life will reward you. It might put you through some stuff. It might make you struggle a little bit, but it's all to make you grow. It's all to make you learn. And it will see to it that if you passionately and truly follow it and do it the right way, you will achieve things that that are fantastical. And that's how the universe experiences itself. But if you don't walk that path, it'll give you a couple more chances. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, nope, sorry. And that's how people have cars magically fall on them from out of the sky, get struck by lightning, eaten by a shark, falling out of a plane and your parachute doesn't open. Um, life is full of, of these quirky little things that tends to take us out. Life is genuinely here to kill us. That's, that's, that's its whole purpose. <laughs> I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you. But you, yeah. you're following what you're supposed to be doing. You're really doing something. Let me step back. However, I do have to say this. There are sometimes when people will achieve their goals early in life and they will make those impactful, influential things. And then all of a sudden those lives are cut short, whether by themselves or by the universe. But ultimately suicide is just the final symptom of depression, in my opinion. So I truly believe that people are here for a purpose. You are given talents for a reason. You cannot change the fabric. You cannot change the pattern of the fabric of the universe. You can only change the thread. You're the thread. And if you don't change the thread, if you don't alter the thread and get it on the right course, it's just going to get pulled. You're going to get clipped and pulled out. And that's it. Yeah. Wow. I really appreciated that. We are almost done, but I'm so sad about it because this has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you coming on today. And as mentioned earlier, I have this thing called self-tivity statement. Um, for those who are new listeners, the self-tivity is any intentional activity that invests in your health, your being, and your mind. I like to create different self-tivities, like the game you just did. It's a self-tivity game. Um, and then there's a self-tivity statement, which is very similar to an affirmation, but it's an intentional affirmation. You say your affirmation, but how do you support your affirmation? You know how we had in grade school, you know, your support and synthesis for that main point. What are you going to do to support your affirmation? So I hope that you're prepared to share your self-tivity statement. Yeah, I got you. Are you ready? Okay, awesome. I'm ready. What's your self-tivity statement? Uh, so my self-tivity statement, I look in the mirror and I tell myself, you are more powerful than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And I back that up because I look at every single thing that I've done and learned. Look at how far I made it. Do you have any idea how many times life has tried to take me out? Yeah. Yeah. I'm more powerful than I could possibly imagine. And I, I tell myself that in the mirror and I back that up with just the experience and the lessons that I've learned. And I look at the beautiful gifts I've been given, like my daughter and my wife. And that just keeps telling me that you're more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And I know I'm supposed to be saying that about myself, but I'm saying that to everyone else out there. You are more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Now, that is a very, very good supporting statement to your affirmation. I'm, and I want to share why, because I think a lot of us, and this is, I think, because I think it's, you know, I don't have the answers again, but from my experience, you get into this part of your life and you feel like, you know, maybe less than, or like you're struggling and you don't know what to do, you're confused. And then you forget that there are some things that you have done that are saying that, wow, you are this great person. You know what I mean? They're, and you have to believe that for yourself. 
you know, like the, the world can tell you all different types of things. They can even tell you a lot of good things about you, but if you don't believe it and you can't support it or remember them, you know, then it all falls by the wayside. So I think that was such a beautiful subsidy statement. I do want to give you this opportunity to share any way that people who are listening who want to connect with you can uh, reach out to you or find you. You can share your social media, your website, um, any of that right now. The floor is yours. Sweet. So uh, there are about a four bajillion ways to get in touch with me and to check me out. Uh, the easiest way is to go to um, my Instagram and you can look up uh, Brian's Daily Grind, all one word. That's with an I, the only way Brian should be spelled. Um, so Brian's Daily Grind, that's my Insta. That will take you to everything else. Uh, you can also look up solo.to slash Brian's Daily Grind. And that will literally give you a list of all the stuff that I do and show you connections to it. Uh, if you want to check out out the Empty Cup Meditations app, all you have to do is go to your app store. It doesn't matter whether it's Android or iPhone. And you just look up Empty Cup Meditations. And there it is. It's free for now. Get ready because it's going to be changing soon. If you want to read my fiction or listen to my fiction, it's called The Most Amazing Story Ever. I release it every week in a podcast format, or you can go and get the app that's free and listen to all of it right now for free for now. Um, it's uh, There's full books in there and then I'm producing new audio every day. You know, I did see, um, I saw that when I was looking through everything and I was just like, man, there's so many different directions we go to this podcast. And I think we have to schedule something when we go into the storytelling and the avenue of writing during a polymath experience. I was trying to say that really cute, but it didn't come out right. But good try. <laughs> you almost had it. You were like this close. I was close. I was really close. But as a fiction author, you know, and a writer in general, um, I checked out some of your YouTube and you have really good writing tips on there. So I think that would be a good segue to the next podcast is kind of focus on, you know, those creative entrepreneurs who want to get into writing. Um just sharing a little bit of that journey, your storytelling um polymath experience. <laughs> I can't do it. No, I try to do That's it. okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's a, it's a difficult word because a, a polymath is a descriptor. Uh, it's yeah. a descriptor for what something is and not a descriptor okay. for how something works. So you got it. You and I'm probably using it all wrong. And I know that I am. And you know what throws me off is the math part. But I like mm-hmm. the fact that they have math in the word, but it's still throwing me off. I'm like, math. <laughs> this, this guy doesn't do mathematics. I do a lot of math. You do different math. But no, I suck I at math. Little, I'm now you got me excited to go and do some research on this polymath phenomenon. You should. You should. It sounds like you might be one of us. So uh, there's no, there's, there's, there's no, there's no test you can take. There's no, uh, there's no one going to show up to your door to present you with a certificate. You're going to look at it and you're going to go, that's me. Check that box. That's me. Check that box. That's me. Damn it. I am a polymath. Crap. (laughs) You know what? I never, even when I take the test, I always feel like, you know, the personality test or if you're this and that, I'm like, I never know if this test is really it because I know in the back of my mind, I'm answering the question a certain way. So I was just like, I wish that you know, I could just sit here and somebody says, hey, this is who you are. But then oh, it got to be me, right? You got to be the person and tell yourself who you are. That's it. <laughs> but thank you so much, Mr. Taylor. I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, you dropped a lot of nuggets today and I cannot wait for everyone to connect with you, to experience you, to experience all the different aspects of you. You are truly a great, great guest. And um, and I don't know you very well, but I feel like I know you a little bit more just from this experience. So thank you for sharing yourself with me today. Of course. Happy. Happy to do it. 
Uh, just uh, let me know whenever you want to do it again. Yes, Later. I definitely will. Definitely will. Um, until next time, hold on to you as much as you can. Hold on to your health, your being, and your mind. Be mindful.